Hello, welcome back to the Football Diary podcast once again. My name's Mike. I'm joined by Miles and Dave today. How's it going, guys? You all right? Hey, Dave, yeah, you're good, right. good to see you. We're actually starting talking about the bottom of the league, I think, this weekend, purely because that's where the most excitement seems to be. I think you'll agree. We could talk about the title race that is no longer a title race if you wanted to, but the relegation at the minute is such an interesting contest. And we've just found out that Claudio Ranieri has, to everybody's surprise, been sacked by Watford. So... Yeah, a really interesting mix of questions to be asked. Um, there's so many games in hand to be played. There's a lot of teams being drawn into it as well, which is worth noting. But we'll probably start with Norwich and Watford, who played on Friday. Now, Norwich won the game 2-0, um, and that was probably the final nail in Ranieri's coffin. So, Miles, what do you make of the relegation dogfight now? Do you see Watford now being one of those teams that's firmly mired in it? Where do they go from here? And what about Norwich? Can they actually mount a, an unlikely comeback? Well, Watford is such an odd club to judge. You never know what Watford are going to produce from a season because we don't know who's going to be in charge within a couple of weeks. Ranieri, I think, has lost 10 in 13, which you're awesome. never going to be able to keep your job on that. And losing 3-0 to a team who looked pretty much certain to be relegated for the last three months, four months. Remember people were talking about Norwich and saying they showed such a lack of ambition, it was almost disrespectful to the Premier League. And all of a sudden, they're not in the bottom three. Now, all right, they've played more games than the teams below them. You can see Newcastle going on a run if they bring some players in. But it's wicked for them to see them out of, out of the bottom three because all of a sudden, it gives them a bit of hope. And that might be what they need to kick on. Now, I know firsthand they've got a great manager. So Dean Smith's obviously got something from them to be able to get these results. And really, these are the games that his season's going to be defined by, playing the teams around him. If you can pick up the odd point against the top half teams, fine. But the teams down there are so bad that really you can just rely on winning those games. I mean, Watford go on to play Burnley next, and that's going to be a huge game as well. But fair play to Norwich and Josh Sargent, who... I think it's quite safe to say is an awful footballer. All of a sudden scored one of the best goals I've seen this season comfortably in this game. So maybe a bit of luck's coming Norwich's way. Maybe the fact that Watford are a bit of a basket case helped them out. Watford mm. deserves to get relegated because they're an awful club. I, I hate, I cannot stand watching Watford's model. So I'd be happy to see him go down. It'd be nice to see Dean Smith pull Norwich out of it. So good win for them. Important result. Yeah, it's really mixed things up, hasn't it? And Newcastle have won only their second game of the season so far, but they seem to, I don't know, be less likely to be relegated with bookies now. And I think that's just by virtue of the the big signings they've made and maybe still are still to make. So, Dave, who were you sort of thinking for relegation now after this weekend? Because there were some really interesting results, weren't there? What's your take? It's all become a little bit uh, quite uh, competitive at the bottom now in terms of, you know, our teams have kind of gathered up and obviously, like we mentioned earlier, obviously Brentford aren't too far away from it, even though you know, they had such a really good start to the, to the season. And, um, you know, uh, I've got to say congratulations to Arsenal as well to, you know, they've shown they can grind it out against some of the big teams <laughs> one of them certainly at the weekend. So Burnley got, Burnley got a good point um, where you probably wouldn't have expected them to get anything out of that game. Um, so, yeah, you've got to say, I mean, obviously, I, I banked on Burnley going down this season, this being the season that they, they do go down. They've done so well um, over the last few years with the resources that they've had. And like Sean Dyche has obviously done 
you know, a brilliant job there, but it's um, they're just lacking. You know, we've said they lack quality in previous years um, in personnel and some of the players, and obviously they've lost. You know, their their you know number one striker and team in Chris Wood. So it remains to be seen if they're going to eventually sort of their flames are eventually going to peter out and. Um, you know, you've got to say, obviously, still, Newcastle are looking to get reinforcements in as well. So, whether they're able to get a couple of players in who are going to help them in their uh, charge towards safety um, is another yeah. thing. Um, but, yeah, you've got to say, it's, they seem to be the four main candidates down there, Watford, not Norwich, Burnley and Newcastle. Um, yeah. Whether or not, you know... Brentford get dragged into it, maybe even Leeds, because Leeds have been up and down, not had yeah. particularly very good um, last couple of months. So um, it's an interesting one for sure. I yeah, think it's the main one there as well, to be honest. I, I, I saw nothing from Everton this weekend that made me think that they're going to get out of it, and that they only they've only got three more points than Norwich so far this season. Wow, you're right. They've played two less games, but and they are obviously waiting for a new manager to come in. But seeing some of the names mm-hmm. linked. Seeing their inconsistency in their approach, they could easily be called into it as well. That's the thing. I think you look at the games in hand. I don't know about you, but I sort of try and calculate how many points maximum they would get from those game in hands, games in hand. But I mean, there's no guarantee of any points out of any no. games in hand. I mean, you look at Burnley's extra games. The extra games is actually a huge workload for them to take on with a really small squad now, and then mm. weakening themselves in the transfer market instead of strengthening. So for me, I think that's why Newcastle will probably rise out of the relegation zone. I 100% agree with you about Watford, though. If they go down, I'll be very happy because the way they sort of cheated their players out of Africa Cup of Nations time as well, the way they've messed about managers, perfectly good managers as well, is a terrible way to run a football club. And from a PR point of view, it doesn't look very good, does it, really? Well, look how well it went for Emmanuel Dennis to not be with Nigeria. They ended up getting knocked out at the weekend and he got sent off against Norwich. So he's now suspended for the next game. It's an absolute joke. Mm. But to be honest, the other thing that I notice is we talk about Newcastle and sort of say, well, they will get themselves out of it because they'll be bringing players in. Those deals are slow. We're on the 24th of January already and they brought in Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood. I don't. Chris Wood isn't an improvement to their team because... Callum Wilson is a better striker. Now, he's injured, so they needed someone to cover him. He's definitely not better than Callum Wilson. So that's not an improvement there. That's a, an understudy. Other than that, there's talk of Diego Carlos from Sevilla, and Sevilla holding very firm on that. We've seen that they can do that because they didn't let Jules Kunde go to Chelsea in the summer. So I will be interested. Newcastle, yeah, could and should kick on and bring in the right players to do it. But until it's happened, mm. I don't know. That's squ- they got a lucky win at the weekend, really. Leeds Leeds should have done better. They, they, I think Leeds are a better side than Newcastle. And a, a free yeah. kick with a goalkeeping error really has cost them. But Leeds' squad is so thin at the moment that they could find themselves in trouble as well quite quickly. Mm. I think it's still f- probably already going to be Burnley, Watford and Norwich. I think it will be those three now. But... Yeah. No one would be that surprised to see Everton, Leeds. I think Brentford are okay. I think Brentford are all right. Because they're, what, eight points clear of the relegation zone at the moment with, what, five teams below them? Yeah, there's a couple of games. Three of those teams are going to do enough to climb above Brentford. I don't think so. 
No, I mean, like, like we're saying, there's a couple of games in hand for teams like Newcastle on Brentford. But mm. again, there's no guarantees of, of points for anybody yeah. with those games in hand. So, yeah, you're right. But I'm so surprised that none of these teams have made any inroads in the transfer market at all. You'd think they try and add some sort of cheeky loan deals to try and reinforce or, or just something. And I know players are not that inclined to join a relegation fight from the same league, but you think they'd look for some maybe some championship quality players to kind of come up and see how they got on. But no, nothing. And I think that might be the undoing of some teams because they're just lacking quality. Do you think there's just not a, the loan? Do you think the loan market is just completely different now? And teams are reluctant to send players out on loan because they need them to cover for COVID. And maybe. really, the, the, the kind of players that get sent out on loan these days are actually big top earners that mm. are unsettled at their club. It doesn't tend to be young prospects or players that need some development and some game time like it used to be. Instead, it's want-away players. Like, you could see, I don't know, Aubameyang going on loan to Barcelona or something like that. That's what the loan transfers tend to be at the moment. So, is there anyone really available to go and be loaned to those mm. sorts of and then you look at players that have already done it. Billy Gilmore, like, that didn't go well. Brand, uh, Brandon Williams is at Norwich. And they're right, he has a, he's having a decent enough time, I guess. But it's not really the kind of player you want to dig in for a relegation fight either. So it, it's a hard market to tap into, I guess. But when so many of them have had new managers as well, you'd expect them to try and spend some money to compete and also to compete with Newcastle. Well, you talk about uh, reinforcements and you mentioned Leeds as well. I'm surprised they haven't even yeah. found any emergency cover during this transfer window. Mm. I mean, there's still time, but there's not much of it, as you say, as well. So, yeah, not much going on down the bottom to make any team look like they've got an advantage over the other, to be fair. So, Dave, are you still saying, um, obviously, you think Burnley will go down? You're probably one of Burnley's uh, biggest haters, aren't you? You can't stand <laughs> it. Who else are you, are you putting there with them? Um. I said, I think I said Norwich and Watford. Yeah. It's uh, the other two teams. I mean, I'd like Norwich to stay up and Newcastle to go down in their place, to be fair. But I mean, that's probably looking less likely. But, mm. um, but yeah, I, I, it's going to be tight. Let's, let's be honest. It might even, let's hope it goes down to the wire if it is, you know, because yeah. we, we still want something to play for at the end of the season. If, you know, if the top race is, you know, even further, <laughs> even further away than what it is at the moment, you know, top four sort of sewn up by then. We want something, you know, still going on in the league because it's just there's just otherwise there's nothing interesting really particularly going on, and um, you know, there's nothing, no competitiveness there at the end of it. I think Newcastle have got Burnley on the last day of the season as well, mm. so that could be really interesting. Might be a foregone conclusion by that point, though. Could be, but yeah. if not, that's that's a big game. That's a, that could be a really interesting one. Let's let's hope for a bit of competition going in late. I mean, we're, we're here saying, you know, we're here saying, oh, Newcastle could get players in, but we've seen it before. With clubs have piled in new players, mm. they've not been able to gel together, and you know they've still struggled. So, yeah. I mean, keep we're, probably, we're probably putting yeah. two and two together here and saying, you know, they get. Two or three more players in this window, they'll they'll be easily stay up. So I mean, we'll just have to see. But cool. quick I think question for you, while I've got you, actually, Dave, what are you saying about the teams that are kind of being drawn into it as well? Because we've said Everton just still look pretty bad against uh, Villa, and I'll get your take on that in a moment, Miles. I mean, but Brentford as well have had a poor run lately. So can you see either of them sliding into it? 
I think Brentford are good enough, um, especially as a unit and as a team. We've seen how impressive they have been being in certain games, especially against some of the some of the top teams in the league. They've shown that they compete and um, they work for each other as you know as a team as well. Um, so I don't think they'll get pulled into it. I think Miles is right in saying that you know, they'll have enough to stay in this league. We've seen that they're you know they're a threat even against the very best team. So um, in terms of Everton. You know, I didn't expect them to get a result against Villa, um, even with obviously the outgoing manager and obviously Ferguson coming in and seeing what he can potentially put together. You know, it's such short notice. I didn't expect them to get a result there. So it depends on who they're going to get in in the long term and who they're looking for. And as we've seen with their plans as a club as a, on a whole, they're, they're just an absolute mess. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see who they get in there. Um but, you know, who knows on that on that on that uh, front? Miles, what did you make of the uh, the Villa Everton game? Because I mean, it was a pretty easy stroll in the park for Villa, wasn't it? But a lot of narrative there. Um, <laughs> Steven Gerrard obviously rising to the occasion against the Everton fans, walking smugly in front of them. I love to see stuff like that, and I think that'll endear him to to fans quite a lot. Uh, but also, obviously, a Luca Dean assist for the Emmy Buendia goal as well, which was really well taken. But uh, were Everton much of a threat? Um, do you know what I would say about Everton in that game? They wanted it more than I've seen from them in a long time, which is a which is a positive sign. But they just lack quality. Their only idea really was to try and cross the ball in as often as possible for the likes of Calvert Lewin or Yerry Mina from a set piece. And most of the time, Villa's backline were pretty comfortable with that. They had a couple of chances. Don't get me wrong. Um, but nothing that really worried me. I tell you who does look a good player though. That um, Anthony Gordon looks strong. Some of the quality of his crossing and his work on the ball was was good actually. So the thing is with Everton, they have got enough players in that squad that you'd think would be good enough to help them kick on. Look at the amount of money they spent on someone like Richarlison. Andre Gomez has got a bit of pre- pedigree. Obviously, Calvert Lewin's yet to really find his form since coming back from injury. Um, Damari Gray has held the spell. So there is quality there. You imagine that the reason that they'll stay up is because there are worse teams than them, not because they've earned it, really. Um, but no, it wasn't a particularly impressive display from either side. Villa had moments in the first half where they looked really sharp, but the second half it was kind of mm-hmm. just, we'll just sit back and, and soak up whatever it is Everton want to throw at us. And they did so fairly comfortably. I thought Matty Cash was absolutely incredible. And Luca Dean as well. Had a really good game again. He had one moment in the first half was a bit shaky. He's still settling, but he's a threat going forward. He's tenacious in the way that he gets back. And even if he's not necessarily the most physical and obvious presence defending, if you look at his record of interceptions and tackles since he's been in the Premier League, he does get himself about. So, yeah, a positive result for Villa. Not so much to draw from it from an Everton perspective. The only other thing that I would say is Emi Buendia is finding great form. And Dave, I wonder if you agree with me on this. Facially, can you see a, a comparison between Mike and Emi Buendia? Look at next time you see Emi Buendia, you'll see Mike's face. I'm telling you. I wish I had a side by side to show you so you could actually see. But uh... I'm convinced of it. Honestly, <laughs> you, you've probably never heard it, but you will go over and you'll look at it now and go, all right, yeah, maybe. 
no, no football doppelgangers for me, unfortunately, but uh, <laughs> I'll take that one. Um, I've got a question for you guys as well. I'll start with you, Dave, but uh, we're talking about a lack of creativity for Everton. They need someone who might be available on a free, potentially, with that kind of creative history. Someone like Chris Erickson, maybe, who's been linked with Brentford. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Dave? Do you think Christian Eriksen, I mean, he's got to take it very carefully, but it seems like he's got the all clear from doctors to play. He's without a club because Inter can't play him in Serie A with any modifications to his heart. So does that sound like win-win all round to you? Because I think it seems like a fairly sensible move, really, Eriksen coming back to the Premier League and with a team like Brentford. Yeah, I, I can imagine... You know, I do see that Brentford do lack in that, that area as well, having someone creative in the centre. So um, 100%, I feel he'll be a good fit. And, you know, they've got, he may not be, you know, as industrious as maybe he once was um, with Spurs, um, but, you know, he's got an eye for a pass and there's no doubt in his ability, especially still at the top level. So um, he'll be a valuable addition to them. And they've got industrious players who can work around with him, you know, mm. press the ball. Um, so I feel like he'll be a good fit and yeah like you say he's, he's probably a player who uh, Everton could do with to be honest so um, but as we've seen with their recruitment policy <laughs> that the, they don't it doesn't make any sense so the, the, the irony tra- the transfers that do make sense you know that's where they're missing out basically so mm. yeah it'll be great to see him back in the Premier League and obviously the story you know everything that happened at the Euros is um, you know, obviously, there's obviously people who still you know, got that in the back of their mind. So, yeah. I mean, to see him play in the game that he loves and that we all love, um, you know, it would be, be great to see and a great story. That's a really good point on that as well, yeah. because Brentford themselves are a really great story as well. Obviously, their first time in the top flight. So what a brilliant bit of narrative that would be for, I think everyone kind of gets behind Brentford and appreciates them for what they're doing, because... They've come up, they've played really nice football. They've not signed big and spent loads of money or anything trying to secure a Premier League place. They're just doing their thing. So for someone who's probably endeared himself to the public for both his football and ability and his perseverance to now keep playing football, to join them as well. And a huge name in world football. For yeah. a club like Brentford to sign Christian Eriksen, that would be huge, that would. We talked about the impact of someone like Coutinho coming to Villa tenfold for a club like Brentford brilliant signing I just think it's hilarious that we're now sitting talking do Everton need a number 10 when that seemed to be their transfer policy forever like yeah. just a million number 10s and they still <laughs> haven't got one it's, it's a joke. as well we've got to look at he's going to settle right down in that area again obviously going straight back right back to London he'll you know yeah. back at home again so I think that's probably another big factor in it and the Danish connection as well mm, yeah mm. Yeah, well, yeah, all the best to Chris Erickson if it does go ahead, which it looks like it's likely. So, yeah, a good fit all round. But Thomas Frank seems to be getting a bit uh, angry lately, doesn't he? A bit irritated by the results not going his way. I mean, they're playing some decent football, um, but not quite finishing off the chances they're creating. They lost to uh, United as well Mm -hmm. midweek. Um, it was a 3-1 defeat, and he got particularly angry about that in the post-match interview. Dave, did you see much of the game? And um, I, Well, I know you did because we've talked about it, but it was not a great performance for United. But opening up the conversation to top four now, are United now stumbling into the territory of being favourites for top four by the virtue of a couple of back-to-back wins that were pretty much undeserved <laughs> again? Um, I mean, they've got some momentum, you know, now, obviously, with two victories. 
I wouldn't say potentially undeserved. I'd say that the, the West Ham game was was a tight game. Um, the, I think the thing you could say United are going from is they had full, um, really good control of the game, and it's probably one of the best games I've seen as you know with the ball and able to control possession and um, kind of minimise their opportunities. I think they had a Suchek header um, and a Bowen shot just from the outside of the outside yeah. the box and they were both kind of half chances really and they didn't really have anything else other than that West Ham and for, for United to kind of come out of that game and kind of come unscathed and obviously keep a clean sheet um, I think they'll be you know be really positive I think they've only conceded six goals under Rangnick since he's come in and that's like 0.0, yeah. 0. 0.7 um, goals conceded a game so I mean, it's definitely an improvement from obviously earlier on in the season when they've been conceding nearly two goals a game. Uh, he's yeah. come in and looked to kind of uh, fix the basics and ensure that we stop the leak, of, you know, the leak of chances at goals that we have been conceding. Um, but I, I feel as though there's positives to take from both of those performances. Brentford, yeah, I can see why Thomas Franks was very much annoyed because the first half of that game, they, they had several you know, four or five golden opportunities, really, which they just didn't take. And we probably had David De Gea to thank for that. Not the first time we've said that this season or, you know, in the last 10 years. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel as though United came out in that second half. Obviously, we've seen Anthony Alanga come on to, um, you know, come into, burst into life, really. Um, I feel as though he does offer us more balance off that left side, just because yeah. from what I've seen, you know, he does tend to press really well. I think he's probably one of the best pressers of the ball that we've got in our in our team. And he gets back with, um, you know, energy. He wants to kind of be involved in play, not just attack him, but he's happy to kind of come back and trap back and get involved. And that's not really something that we've seen from United. And in our front line, I feel as though he does kind of, offer the balance that kind of having Ronaldo, he, you know, he does press, but it's not obviously on the level, say Cavani, when Cavani's playing up front. Um, he just does give us that bit more um, assurance, uh, sureness from, sort of on that left side. Yeah. Um, and obviously Greenwood on that right, didn't have the best of games against West Ham, but I feel as though I can see why he's playing Alanga, um, just because of what he does offer as a player and you know, we've seen as a threat as well. Obviously, with his goal, which he, he obviously has taken really well against um, Brentford. Um, in terms of, you know, whether we can improve further on this, because we're still struggling to create enough chances, um, and you know, that's a little bit of a concern with the fact we've still not scored from a set piece this season from a from a corner. You know, and the amount of corners that we're getting in every game, we're getting, you know, I think we got close to 10 in our last game. Yeah, it's a poor record, though. 10 corners we have this season we're not scored from. It's mm. concerning. It's not due to the lack of, you know, delivery either. It's just there doesn't seem to be kind of an idea mm. or any sort of method there to how we are attacking these deliveries. But uh, as a United fan, you've got to be more positive um, in terms of kind of how we performed. Whether it makes us clear favourites for the top four, I, I don't know yet. I think we've got to kind of see how these next two or three weeks um, after the FA Cup um, is you play out because 
there's still plenty of teams up there. I think Tottenham, if they win their two games in hand, they're four points yeah. clear of us. So, you know, there's a lot of big ifs in there. Tottenham have got some hard games coming up as well. Yeah. I think they've got to play Southampton next. They've got Wolves away. Then they've got Man City. And then I think they've got Leeds away. So, Oof, yeah. Uh, they're, they're, and they've still got to play Arsenal, that game that yeah, that ring, yeah. ring. So, by any means, it's, it's going to be an interesting one, top four. Um, but I suppose um, we'll see. I, I don't think United are clear favourites. I think, I think they're, in the, they're in this conversation again, definitely. But I still think Tottenham are probably favourites for it at the moment. So the other thing that you got to remember with, with what's coming, West Ham and Man United have still got Europe to contend with, whereas Tottenham and Arsenal don't. And that could be a really heavy yeah. factor when you look at the congestion of the league season now and the fact that games are going to have to be rearranged quite frequently. I do wonder whether United will look at Europe as a bit of an avenue because if they are being more defensively solid, that should make them a good cup team. So I do wonder whether Ranjik will think it might be better to try and have a tilt at this mm. with Ronaldo and that kind of being his competition and with our defensive stability. Can they focus on that maybe a little bit more? I, I think know. if you not, I think if you to get another midfielder in there, um, that won't happen this day. Who's a bit better on the ball, even if it's somebody potentially. Like, obviously, they've been um, linked with Bubakar Kamara at, at Marseille. So have um, we? Yeah, it's been <laughs> you've been after Ben. Um, ben uh, Tanker. Yeah. Um, if we can get somebody in, just because if we're one one injury away from being you know, back to playing Matic in the centre of the pitch, mm. who the game just kind of passes him by because he's not got the legs anymore to keep up with the intensity of you know the league. We re- really do need to fix that. And obviously, with Pogba coming back, you know, it depends how he plays. We don't, <laughs> you know, you don't know what to expect from him. It's so uh, funny that is. I I forget about Pogba. United keep talking about how they really need a centre midfielder and you'd argue they've got one of the world's best centre midfielders on his day in that team, but we just he's just not there. I don't think we consider him though, that's the thing. I think we've already kind of accepted he's going to be out the door very soon. Without turning this into uh, Syria talk, just makes me laugh, by the way, that yeah, you're right, Villa are being linked with Ben Tanker. I think United have been talked about with Rabiot. Arsenal Mm. are being talked about with Artur. And Allegri just keeps saying, yeah, we're really trying to get rid of Aaron Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps saying, Aaron Ramsey won't be here by the end of the window, but every other midfielder they've got seems to be attracting interest except for Ramsey. It's a bit uh, Everton. Really? Newcastle? It'd be a good signing for Everton if he can keep fit. I think I'd take Aaron Ramsey at Villa, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I think Newcastle is the likely destination. I think his wages are just too high, aren't they, for yeah, anyone yeah. to even get close to. Yeah, but in terms of um, in terms of top four, then are you are you saying sort of Tottenham are the favourites in the driving seat? I kind of agree with you in some ways because the way they've played since Conte's took over has been a massive improvement. Um, I was just a bit gutted they didn't bring it against Chelsea this time around because I know they've got a tough record against Chelsea, uh, especially of late. It's like their yeah. third win in in a month or some third loss yeah. in a month against them. But they played so well against Liverpool to get a draw only a few weeks ago. And they can show up with this team. And I'm just baffled by the fact that they had wing-backs that I didn't expect. You know, they had no Reggie on. They had no Emerson Royale. They had um, bloody Doherty starting, for God's sake. So it was a really strange lineup from Spurs. And I expected better from them, really. 
just everyone um, in that race is flawed in some way. West Ham's squad's too small. Arsenal still seem to have a bit of a mentality problem and a got a horrible discipline record and still have results like the nil-nil with Burnley in their locker. United, we talk about their midfield being weak, but Tottenham's is equally as weak in many ways. And they're talking about Ndombele joining PSG on loan. That's no good to them. They need to sell him if they're going to do it so they can find a replacement. I do think that that's what it boils down to. Conte is the best manager that is going for fourth place right now. I think we can all comfortably say that. Out of those four teams, Conte is the best manager. So that gives them a lift straight away. Harry Kane is starting to find a bit more form. They st- Steven Bergvine looked like he was stepping up as well. They've still got Son to come in as well. So they've got potential, but I wonder whether they're just they're too light at the back and in midfield. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's so hard to judge because you basically, again, the team that stays up at the bottom is going to be because the others weren't good enough to stay up. I think it's the same with fourth. The team that gets fourth will be because the others didn't really put up enough of a fight. Maybe. Mm. I think they still lack a lot in central midfield, obviously, with uh, Ndombele obviously not in there. No, obviously that not working out. Um, they still do lack a central midfielder who can control the game. You know, it's sounds bit yeah. daft, but obviously they need someone in there like a Luka Modric who can kind of dictate play, kind of dominate the game for them because they've they've not, you know, they've not got that really at the moment. And you know that obviously when Conte was at Chelsea, um, it was a lot, it was a more powerful team than obviously what Spurs have, and Spurs do lack a lot, you know, in certain, certain areas, and they they do rely on that counter attack, and um, you know we saw it. It just didn't really work against Chelsea. Harry Kane had really under under par um, sort of game, and I don't know what you make of the disallowed goal um, if you've seen it, but it was a foul. It was. Yeah, it, it wasn't. Was. It wasn't a brilliant. Like, look, it's not the worst foul you've ever seen. But as soon as you put a hand flat on another player's back and motion towards him, yeah. If if Kane is going for that ball. And Thiago Silva puts his hand on his back and pushes him like that. He's won in a penalty all day, isn't it? So mm. it's got to be a foul the other way around as well. It, it's light, it's soft. You'd rather it wasn't. A I foul. think it's one of. I think it's one of those. If the referee gives it, I don't think VAR overturns it because either way, I don't feel it's as though it's kind of, you know, it's of such an obvious error either way. You know, the referee gives it. Um, is a foul or, or just gives the goal. I don't know if it gets it. I'm not sure about that. I think if he gives the goal, VAR would overturn it because you know what VAR is like. It mm. slows everything down so much that all it's really looking for is contact. And that hand being flat on his back would have looked worse on VAR, to be honest. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised that it, it wasn't given because as soon as they reflected on it, they were going to do it. But it's hard to judge because then all of a sudden you get stuff like the Liverpool penalty, which was a bit... Was that a penalty? It was. No. Yeah. Well, the, we had one really similar in the Villa game. Watkins had a shot, and as he shot, Pickford came in and took him out. It wasn't a penalty. The ball had gone. And it, the keeper just came out to make a challenge for it. Don't think that's a penalty, but it was Jota changes his direction, yeah. his path of direction, where he's running, then runs yeah. into the goalkeeper. Into the goalkeeper. If you choose to run into a player... Yeah. And kind of obviously you, you go down, it's it's ridiculous. He didn't go towards the ball. How is that a penalty? And I, yeah. think that, I thought that was an awful decision, really. Yeah. Kind of how much time the referee 
gave it, mm-hmm. kind of analyse it, and actually thought, and you know, the outcome that it was a penalty. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. But you know, I think not- Liverpool, Liverpool kind of rode their luck a little bit because obviously that oh, that's yeah. just. Yeah. The Oxford Chamberlain goal could have been given offside for Firmino being involved in the play. And they do look a bit shaky at the back, don't they? Yeah. Is Van Dyke the Van Dyke that he was before that injury? I don't mm. I'm not sure. His header was brilliant. His goal was really good. But Matip mm. and Van Dyke, I I I don't look at that and think that's two solid centre backs there. I, I thought they were I thought they were pretty uh, poor opposition, though. Palace didn't play well. They were, I mean, Van Dijk was completely unmarked at the near post for his header. So it was a good header, but it was completely unchallenged. And like you say, they rode the look massively. There was a spell where Alisson was kept so busy and they were looking oh. to not concede completely. Elise is oh, brilliant. Yeah. so good to watch. Really like him this season, the way he's come forward. And um, Osam Edouard could have had a, had a goal at one point as well, couldn't he, with that cheeky little back here? Well, that would have been nice. It's a good save from Alisson. He's yeah. still a solid keeper, to be fair to him, Alisson. But I do look at Liverpool's back line and think it looks a bit suspect sometimes. Are they in line to challenge for a potential title push then? Because they've closed the gap on City. City lost points for the first time in, what, 12 games? So it's a small glimmer of hope, but it's still a glimmer of hope. There's a bit of momentum with Liverpool. Have they got anything in their locker to try and pull this back? Or I suppose the question is, are Man City facing a wobble now after losing a couple of points against Southampton? Man City have got a rubbish record against Southampton anyway. So I don't think it's that surprising. And also, when you've won... 12 on the bounce or something ridiculous you can afford to draw with Southampton really I think they'll still be okay it does give a glimmer because I think it means that if Liverpool win their game in hand they'll be six points behind Man City and they've still got to play each other so if Liverpool yeah. won that as well there's three points you still then rely on Man City dropping another three points where Liverpool don't and like I say their defence makes me think that they will drop points again this season so I still think it's City's but it's probably a little bit more interesting after this weekend. It's always going to be if the, if the gap's made a little bit smaller. Yeah, False let's hope so. So <laughs> no, no, no title race really, but I think we're all just kind of clutching really that potentially maybe there is some fight. But to be honest, as a United fan, I'd, I'd say much rather. I'd rather City win it over Liverpool. Not by much, um, but I wish Chelsea were still in the conversation for that reason really. <laughs> Well, you should be in the conversation with Ronaldo, Varane and Sancho, remember. Don't forget that. Ronaldo let's, not no, let's not go down that road, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a weird um, week of fixtures this, this week, isn't it? What have we got to look forward to ahead before the next pod, Miles? Burnley-Watford at some point, probably rescheduled. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. It depends when we want to talk again, because obviously there's the, the American qualifications to come. AFCON's still going as well and we're getting to the latter stages of that and there's been some pretty interesting events there, I think it's safe to say. It started off slow but it's picking up a bit of pace now and Bertrand Traore of Aston Villa fame is leading Burkina Faso nicely. Um, and then other than that, it's Villa have got a 16-day break now so I think they're off, wow. to, I think they're off to Dubai or somewhere. Gerard's going to do a little mini pre-season with them which will be really interesting. That could be really helpful. <laughs> Yeah, strange week. And um, I think Newcastle are off to like Saudi Arabia or something, aren't they? Having a bit of winter of storm. Yeah. Well, Going so, home. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a strange well, one. I know FA Cup's on the horizon as well, isn't it? Dave, have you got anything you're looking forward to over this next week? Um, I mean, we, I'll, I'll be looking forward to the FA Cup again. I think 
some of the last uh, results that we saw and some of the times we saw in the last round have kind of um, reminded us of, you know, the romance of the competition. And I think since obviously we've been able to have back, back in, it's been, you know, seen some of the, some of the smaller teams again. Um, and hoping to see a few more upset, hopefully uh, not in the United game. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to that, I think. And, you know, I, I don't like when there's not much football going on, so I won't enjoy this next you know, couple of weeks. But obviously we've got the African combination. But again, uh, quality of the football in some, in some of those games hasn't been particularly brilliant. But I mean, it was interesting to see obviously Nigeria go out last night against Tunisia. Um, especially as they've been pl- playing really well, actually performing really well in the competition. So that was a big surprise. So, um, be, the star it, man Alex Awobi got himself sent off, though, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, uh, another po- important thing, actually, on that, obviously Leicester have got a few players away. Obviously they've got Ndidi away and uh, Inacho. They'll be coming back. So that'll be a big boost for uh, for them because they're, they're struggling, really, for numbers and, and players. At the obviously they're going through a bit of a... A bit of a rubbish spell um, of late, um, obviously with the game at um, with Brighton. Um, see the late equaliser. Tottenham game must have been ridiculous, uh, you know, emotionally in that dressing room. I can't imagine how it must have felt um, as a player, let alone a fan, to be at that game um, conceding twice in the matter of seven. That was crazy. I suppose the other thing for us to focus on is the fact that the transfer window is going to close before we have Premier League action again as well. So when we talk about who's going where and stuff, we'll have a bit of a better picture of that, whether the likes of Martial will get his move away from United, Jesse Lingard as well, maybe even Pogba, I suppose. There's a few big players from Europe that look like they might be moving over to England still, what Newcastle are going to do. That'll be the interesting thing. Very true. Well, whatever happens, we'll be right here discussing it with you guys um, whenever we're back on in the next week or so. So make sure you join us for that. Please subscribe if you can, if you're on YouTube. That'd be amazing support for us. Hit like as well. That just helps with the YouTube algorithm. Uh, But in the meantime, guys, thank you again for your time. Appreciate it as always. Great to talk to you and I'll see you next time. Cheers, guys.